yeah, that that move from art school to the real world because I've done it and yeah, yeah, an easy one. Hello, 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 friends and friends of friends. My name is Pida and welcome to part two of our episode on transitioning from art school to the business of arting. So last week we looked at our experiences in art school and whether or not we were well equipped for the industry. This week we talked to Lauren Van Gogh, who is the Network Programs Manager at Vansa, and she tells us about all the amazing resources and work that Vansa offers to artists in terms of their professional practice. Hey guys, Precious here. Um, we'll also be listening to some sound bites from friends of ours who shared their experiences of the resources that they've used and are still using at hand. So listen out for those at the end of the episode. To give you a bit of context, Lauren, mm. um, we recorded an episode last week and we were just kind of talking about art school and the very emotional journey of getting into art school and you kind of go through the motions of kind of honing your craft but there's these huge gaps where you actually don't know what you're going to do after the fact like what your support structure looks like um who your community is how do i you know get gallery representation how do i file my taxes um nobody's telling me about the business of art um and so we were kind of talking through these shared experiences from different art school spaces. And we also reached out to friends to ask them of their experience and they shared little voice notes and anecdotes of how they had similar experiences of not really having or being knowledgeable about the resources that kind of keep you going after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this episode, you know, based on obviously the questions we sent you is kind of more about actually talking about those resources and how Vansa plays a really important role in, in being that beacon, if you will, of how do I find opportunities or how do I, you know, look at the business side of things. And so you are literally the perfect person to be having this follow-up <laughs> chat with. So thanks for awesome. joining us. Yeah. Yeah, that that move from art school to the real world because I've done it and yeah. Yeah. An easy one. So yeah, what was that experience like for you? Like what was your um art school experience and how did you end up at Vanta? So I graduated at Wits Back in the day, I think it was 2008, which it was quite a different school in. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this dream. I was like, oh, I want to travel and do art and see the world. And I don't really know what any of that meant. <laughs> and I, I asked one of my lecturers, you know, like, what, what opportunities are there? And I think he told me, like, oh, you can go to the Rakes Academy. Like, that was opportunity you know, like this one prestigious um, school or like postgrad course in the Netherlands, which is totally out of like any realm of possibility. But anyway, I was like, oh, that's what I could do. Um, and it was also a time in Joburg, there were not like many, many artist run spaces or places for young artists to experiment. Um, but anyway, I ended up after graduating, I went to do a two-year studio program in Belgium that two of my lecturers at Wits had done and recommended. So I applied and I was super fortunate to get funding, um, which also like, it was such a mysterious thing. I didn't know how to get, get any of these opportunities. And it was kind of, you know, um, going around and trying to find answers from the right person. So I was asking everybody and I remember 
somebody mentioned like, oh, you can apply to the Oppenheimer Memorial Trust. It was like, what is this thing? Um, and then finding out more about that. And eventually that's who I got money from for, for the two years. Um, but there's no, I don't know how it is now, but there was no um, you know, straightforward formal way of how to access this kind of opportunity. So I was very lucky that I stumbled upon it. Um, and I had this experience. I'd never been to Europe before. I had an amazing experience for two years, largely because it, I was given this time to explore what I wanted to do. Uh, it was a studio practice. I'd never had a studio before. Um, I got to meet really nice people and go to really nice places. And then after the two years, I was like, cool, go back home and you know, figure yourself out. And when I came back, um, I just really needed to get a job. And I applied for an internship at Vanza. So in, in 2011, I applied for an internship and I got it, thankfully. And at the time, I hadn't really heard about Vanza. Um, another artist I knew had sent me the link to the to the internship. And it was just like, it was a really lucky thing, but it was part of that internship program that um, it was started many years ago. And Vanza collaborated with the funder to place interns in various organizations across the country and including at Vanza. So me and another guy got this Vanza internship and it was essentially a curatorial internship. We spent a lot of time with the team. At the time, Joseph Gaylord was the director and Lester Adams was there. And that was 2011. It was meant to be for, I think, six months. And I ended up staying for, I don't know, it was like a year maybe. And it was the first time I really got access to a lot of what was going on in, in the Joburg art scene outside of art school. Um, and I started to learn about like what resources there are around and and the kind of work fans I had been doing. Um, after my internship ended, I kind of went and did my own thing. At the same time I was, I was, I was at Vanza, I was running, I started a artist project called Sober and Lonely with uh, my collaborator, Robin Cook. And it was from the space I was living in, we invited artists to live and we had various projects. So I was running that simultaneously without knowing what we were doing, um, but we kind of set it up as an art institute. We gave it a very big name called the Sober and Lonely Institute for Contemporary Art. And then we just ran with it and kind of figured out uh, what we wanted to do. Um, so after my internship ended, I carried on with that and I, I pursued a few other options. Um, and in 2014, that was the time. So I don't know if it's useful to give some history of Vance as well. So Joseph Gaylord was leaving and Mulemo Moilwa came in as director. And I joined at the same time again to do essentially the communications at Vanza, which was not my um, favorite or my expertise, but I had, I had been trained on the kind of back end and the database at Vanza. So I knew what was going on. So I came and I thought like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a year, work at Vanza for a year and see what's happening. 
and I'm still there. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's an organization that I truly believe in the work that Vanza is doing. So it's, it's quite difficult for me to get out of it. I'm very part-time at the moment, um, but yeah, that's how I landed up at Vanza and I'm still there. And my role's changed a few times, but um, now what we call a network programs manager. And what does a, a network's programs manager do? Um, essentially, um, doing project management. So a lot of my projects are around um, knowledge production and creating resources in for the visual arts sector. Um, some, for example, that I'm working on at the moment are, there's a project called Take Care. It's on mental health in the visual arts. And it's a project we've been working on for years and it's kind of finally coming together. We are running a survey, which would be great if anybody can fill it out. So I'll send you the details. Um, and we're creating a toolkit, um, which should be out in the next month, I guess. Other things that my role includes. So Vans is also a tiny organization. There are currently three people at the organization. So it means all of us end up doing a lot of everything. Um, we have a decentralized system of management. So nobody is the office manager or anything like that. We all kind of work together on all aspects of the organization. Other parts of my role include, um, we're working on an archiving toolkit. So a lot of our projects come together as toolkits, which is like a, kind of tangible resource that people can use and the real work also comes in you know the years after that so how to activate these toolkits and get people to be using them and accessing the information yeah um and how do people access the toolkits or the the, van, the resources from vansa so everything is on the website um some Sometimes you'll hear that like the website isn't very easy to navigate and I would suggest that if you are interested in Vanza resources to sign up to our newsletter that we send out every two weeks so that that really condenses like you can find direct links to everything and when there are new resources coming out like whatever is recently published it will be announced in the newsletter we also have Social, all the social media platforms so you can find anything there our instagram has a link tree that will link to most of the resources yeah also google vanza has a good um soe se search engine optimization <laughs> so we have like lots and lots of pages on our website so generally if you google vanza and what you're looking for you'll find it you'll um, find. yeah and also we have a space we have an awesome space at so we moved into the space in Brixton, I guess the beginning of the year, but it's slowly coming together. It's in collaboration with the Goethe Institute. And we have created LAPA, which is a Pan-African residency space. Our first residence is coming next week. And at the same time, that's where Vanza's library is housed. So our library is set up and it's open to I mean obviously it's been a bit tricky with COVID to get people into the space and activating it but we're working on some programming for the rest of the year um, 
Vans is also a national organization, so our key focus isn't ever only on Johannesburg, but obviously with the staff being based here, that's where we are. So um, we like to open our space to whoever is around to come. Yeah, and I like that aspect of Vansa that it's very much community-based. And I was wondering, like, how important is that in Vansa's work? How important is network and collaboration? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Vansa is a membership-based organization, a national membership-based organization, which means that, you know, people, our members, we're accountable to our members. There are, I think, over 6,000, 7,000 members, um, obviously some more active than others. And we really strive to be, uh, you know, be driven by what our membership needs. So, for example, I was talking about the mental health project, and a lot of that comes from, you know, conversations with members and interactions with members and um, kind of assessing the needs and filling the gaps of what, what is not available out there. Um, so it's super important to us. Um, it's also, it's difficult work when, you know, you're sitting in Joburg and not fully aware of everything that's going on. So one of our pillars of, of the work we do is, is called decentralization. And we're not trying to, for example, set up projects all over the country, but rather see what, what is happening and see how we can support it. And essentially it's often through, through infrastructures and sharing sharing resources and knowledges that we might already have um, and connecting people and yeah kind of highlighting what's already going on so that's super important we also are part of other networks so for example there's um, a network called arts collaboratory and it's made up of 25 arts organizations so in latin america the middle east africa um Asia and one in Europe. And that's been kind of essential for, for Vanza to learn from, from other organizations how to be and how to work and how to prioritize the work we do as opposed to, you know, often like nonprofit arts organizations, we just have to work with the funding we get. So connecting to those those other organizations has shifted a lot about a lot of what we do. Yeah, thank you. I think you've given a really good overview of Vansa, but I just wanted to kind of get back to a few a few things you talked about, just kind of in terms of your own personal experience. I'm really interested in um, the Soban Lonely project that you started. I'm wondering like what was the reason for you to kind of do that? I think it's always interesting when artists decide mm. to just take initiative by themselves and start their own thing. So what was your kind of thinking behind starting that? Sure. So Robin and I worked together when we were at Vits, we kind of just started producing all our work together and um, we realized we really liked working together. And after art school, after she did her master's and I went away, um, we realized there wasn't space for what we wanted to do. A lot of the stuff we were doing was kind of events-based or like we weren't selling anything for money to make, like a lot of it was experimental and fun and 
we didn't know where where we could do that so we just decided to do it ourselves um and we really wanted to kind of highlight work that we weren't seeing around so i guess it was we just i mean i think that's a lot of artist space start like that like there's a gap and there's a need for for experimentation and places outside of galleries and things that are difficult to access um we didn't know anything about an arts organization i kind of we started a mailing list and I was staying in a place that I got rent free, luckily, and there was an extra bedroom. So we started a residency and we sent out an open call at, through Vanza. So it was, I think, just before I started working at Vanza. And our first resident was Deneo Bopape. And we couldn't believe she applied. We're like, wow, Deneo's work's amazing. Like, and she came and stayed at our house in a month and for a month. And it was just incredible to, you know, to have that space that somebody could use and we could learn a bit more about her practice and and just yeah see what was happening so it kind of went from there and it, it had many different iterations and yeah it was kind of a, pa a passion project and something you do straight out of art school when you have lots of energy and excitement around around what's what's going on and I think like for me we stopped running the project a few in like 2015 or 16. Um, and for me, it was really important to see that other things are developing. Other young artists are, you know, stepping up and and doing doing the things. Doing the things. Yeah. So it seems like you like your progression into events that seems seems very natural in terms of what you were doing with Sober and Lonely and then coming into Vansa and kind of continuing the same work. Um, I guess another thing I wanted to kind of come back on was the, the Take Care project. Um, mm -hmm. I really think it's a great project and I've looked at the, the survey and the website and the podcast and everything coming out of that. And I'm just wondering like when you maybe finished school, was there was there access to mental health resources or not at all? Not at all. Yeah, like it was something not spoken about. Um, I can't recall ever, ever having access to that. For example, I mean, it's related, but not maybe. I remember like my first experience with meditation, for example, was when I was on a residency um, I think in the US and somebody invited me to go to a mindful meditation thing. I was like, what is that? And for me, it's a really important practice in, in daily life. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't recall those kinds of resources. And also interestingly, like the project came about because everybody has a story, right? With around mental health, that something you've struggled with or a close friend or family member has struggled with. So yeah, and we also, I mean, the reason, of course, there's a lot of mental health resources out there, but specifically in the arts, like artists live such a precarious life a lot of the time, like our systems aren't supporting supporting us. Most artists don't have a steady income or a medical aid or any way to um, access access help a lot of the time. So we felt we really like the toolkit. I'm really excited for it to come out. 
it's so beautifully put together and um, there's a our idea is that the the toolkit is also going to serve you know our families so a lot of artists will be quite disconnected from their families there'll be like a big mental health problem families come in they don't know what to do they're like but you're weird you're an artist you you're doing these strange things all the time isn't that just how you are and um yeah the toolkit is kind of trying to to frame that in a way that is caring and makes everybody understand various situations yeah <clears throat> I think that's an awesome toolkit um, just in terms of thinking about the holistic process of all the things that Vansa offers because there's best practice toolkits and all these other kind of more business-based, but it's mm. great that there's the addition of something that's a little bit more um, human mm. um, and kind of looks at the whole, especially for artists. It is precarious, as you said. So We've been getting nice feedback on the whole process and we also really, you know, like Vansa's long-term work, it, it's not creating these little toolkits and making people's lives easier on on the smaller scale but vanza's long-term work is also to you know vanza does a lot of advocacy and lobbying and our our goal is to create better conditions for the art sector in general so through like refuel ways forever in meetings about the copyrights amendment bill so it's just like to put in our voice and make sure that the people we're working for are getting heard are getting represented correctly um yeah so to change things long term to to just make things better it's rough out there yeah but it's cool because like i think just wanted to like bring it back to van so quickly i think it's it's fine to hustle but you also need certain tools to be able to make sure you do it right. Mm. Um, and I think that's definitely where Vansa comes in because it provides you the practical tools to make sure you hustle well um, in terms of taking care of yourself in all these different facets so that you can continue to live your dream as it were. Totally. Yeah. And, and you don't have to start from the beginning figuring out how to do all those things. Like, yeah, that's also the point of a lot of the, the kind of toolkits and work we do. You know, you don't have to start from the beginning and be like, how do I do this? We've also got a text toolkit coming out, which is going to be great. Because that's amazing. Enjoys text. So it's text for artists. So um, that should be out soon also. Which will be I'm sure people will look out for that definitely. Mm -hmm. Um I forgot also to mention we have a lot of workshops often and stuff. So but could you list a few more of these workshops? Um over the years there have been a lot of best practice workshops. So that is training people on how to use our best practice guide. There'll be um, focuses on specific things like um, working with galleries or whatever it is. There's a million things in that um, guide. We also recently had a series of workshops on, we invited different artists and professionals over a week and like there was one on social media for artists there was um a legal workshop so on how to do legal things <laughs> um there was there was an, an artist workshop on kind of putting your portfolio together and writing an artist statement there was also a workshop on um like the business of arts there are 
there'll be more coming up soon because they were really well received. They were online and uh, yeah, we've also run mental health workshops in collaboration with um, Vasa, for example, and we ran some a few years ago in Pumalanga and we'll be doing more later in the year. Pretty much anything we are producing, we will workshop so that people can, can access it better. Sign up. If you sign up to be a Vansa member. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's super useful um, and, and, and very much necessary. So that's really cool that you guys have kind of tapped into all these different things. And I, I guess it's all stuff that people can find on the website, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. practice guides, etc. Yes, there's all the art info stuff. And uh, there's also oh, two other resources to mention. We've got an art map, so it's an online art map of every art, or we try to get, it's all the art spaces in South Africa, it's called artmap.co.za, and if you have anything you want to add, or if there's something missing, just, just email, like we're always open to getting suggestions on that, and we've also got a website called panicplatform.net. So that's in collaboration with um, an organization called Waza from Lububashi. And the, the website is a collection of all independent art spaces on the continent. Um, and again, yeah, if you have suggestions, it's great to email them through. Um, I just have, I guess, to kind of finish off um, the session, um, what advice would you give to young or to people finishing art school? <laughs> Something I was going to bring in also, maybe, I don't know if it's advice or like, I don't want to sound super cynical, but also our industry is, it's hard to, you know, to make everything work. Um, so there's no, throughout throughout my time since art school um i've you know you, i've always had kind of side hustles and doing other work and i think it's really important to to look out for that to look out for ways you can financially support yourself um that's a bit more consistent than you know getting paid to do an exhibition every now and then so yeah that's kind of also how my, my job at Vanza started it was like to have this thing to to keep me afloat um and i think yeah there's no shame in in doing whatever job you can to support your practice that's such cynical boring advice i'm sorry well, i think that's solid practical <laughs> advice solid practical advice yeah and i think that yeah yeah, really I think we're always like sitting in this floaty space of it's all going to be okay and art school's amazing and we're kind of sold this thing of you're either going to be a starving artist and that's apparently fine mm -hmm. or you abandon it completely and I think it's important to kind of give practical advice that is like listen this is how it's going to be and you need to find ways to support that um so no I think that was great advice super solid. yeah and and also the you know I I in my twenties, it was very much like, yeah, cool. You know, you, you think of the next year, the next couple of years and you're fine and everything's great. And I have a kid now and I can't, you know, like that's a long-term plan. Um, I need to plan for how I'm gonna 
support myself and my kid until I'm much older. So I couldn't just, you know, live the dream. You, you can't just, you need to think quite practically about that. And yeah, and the art industry is not going to support your retirement. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah. <laughs> It does not have a retirement plan, no, it doesn't. No, <laughs> no, so yeah, it's about hustling, I guess, and the, yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you, Lauren. Um, I think it's been a really great conversation, um, just learning about Vansa and also your personal experience as well. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. I feel, I mean, I really love Vance and I love all the work they do. And I'm also excited for all the toolkits, especially all the, the tax toolkits, the business toolkits. I think these are things that we have sort of been covering in these past two episodes about what was lacking in our fine art education. Mm -hmm. There was like a really big gap in terms of how do you become a professional um, mm. artist? Like, how do you just do this? professionally like you know things really really simple things like writing invoices and mm. um keeping an inventory and all of those things making portfolio and all of that so I think Vance is a really great resource and website to kind of get all this information from so we appreciate all the work that you guys are putting into it but yeah um as Pada said I think I think that's a good place to to end it there definitely given us some useful insights um and it's, it's great to kind of hear exactly like Pada was saying before that you've gone through that exact journey. And um, I guess no man ever feels like they're alone and kind of experiencing that isolation that art school gives. So it's nice to know that there's a place mm -hmm. where people can kind of connect, collaborate, get what they need information wise and support as well. So thanks Lauren for kind of making time with us today. The resources that I needed to collect um, after graduating from art school and transitioning toward a professional practice uh, are things that are not necessarily one-stop shop, Google search, problem solved kind of things. Um, a lot of them needed to be developed over time um, and kind of cracked at consistently in order to, you know, have that resource available to myself um, when I need. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose I've got like a couple of different things that a, a, a straight out of art school student might need to uh, think about developing over time. Uh, one of those things um, that's pretty important to the actual process of art is having a space um, and also carving out time in order to make the work. For that, I don't think you necessarily need to have a dedicated studio space. I know that is like a fancy thing that we'd all love. We'd all love to say, oh yeah, I'm off the studio, but <laughs> that's realistically not something that everybody can afford. Um, especially when you are needing to pay your own rent and um, yeah, such and such. So I think um, as simple as you being able to find a time um, and it can even be a space in your room or, you know, I don't know, wherever you're able to find a, like an allocated space. Um, and, you know, in that time, whether it be at two o'clock in the morning or, you know, you know, halfway through the afternoon that you are giving yourself a time to actually work through some ideas, be that in like a visual diary where you're just plotting out some plans for things um, or, you know, cracking, cra <laughs> cracking, my goodness, open some paint, uh, you know, in a can or whatever you do. Clearly, I'm um, I think my biggest resource 
for the longest of time has been the internet um because the internet just exposed me to a different world and was actually the reason why i went to study that thing in the first place right which is visual arts was because i was supposed to the internet and i knew i wanted to do something creative but i just didn't know where i could continue to cultivate um this interest um but yeah tumblr huge resource prior to, to to instagram so tumblr was that that source of inspiration of seeing how people are beginning to negotiate um outside and document their stories narrate their stories um so i, I kind of was raised on the blogging culture but i missed the blogging culture so i was a generation young for blogging culture um so the first question is very interesting because i don't believe that i've fully um crossed over into professional practice like if there was a road that you need to cross to get to the other side to say that you are a professionally practicing artist and you have a sustainable art practice i don't think i'm there yet but i'm getting there um and i guess for me the first resources that i turned to was people just honestly people um i was very fortunate enough to have gone to an art school done my ba in fine arts and i met a lot of different people there um my classmates people who are doing curatorship i went to art fairs art exhibitions and you know i just had that network that i was lucky to have and maintain and it continued to grow and in terms of resources leaving art school it was mainly people around me friends um people i knew who had skills and knowledge that i needed to be able to do the work that i did and be able to support artists so for instance graphic design if i needed a template um lawyers who could help drawing up contracts and help me with the legal terms for artists um when entering into exhibition contracts accounting templates and ways to keep inventory and keep track of works so that was all through people other people i worked for people i knew um then moving to school uh it became access to obviously the resources that are available um but as you begin to do that you generate a community around you one unnecessarily just doing what you're doing just by the mere nature of being in a university you are encountering people in different disciplines um different faculties of uh, an industry so they actually put you on to stuff that aren't necessarily um related to the arts but uh are quite important to just life in general so conversation is much broader beyond just a singular way of being and interacting with the life i think today the resources i look to are much more in terms of watching videos um because there's so much more content created now there isn't one specific channel that i favor um but i do see that as a great resource and way to learn about art and artists another important thing that uh you can kind of feel the lack in is that sense of resources for um research 
um, whether that be you being able to have access to a computer lab or the library. The library is probably one of like my favorite places on campus because you can just kind of like run through and dive into, you know, whatever medium and book um, that's available. So I know that a lot of spaces still allow you to go back into libraries um, and there's also city libraries that are like pretty well resourced actually. Um, so it's worthwhile like opening up in a, uh, like your own personal account and get a library card. Um, I still use the internet. Um, yeah, the internet is still a, a huge source of um, learning and being exposed to opportunities. Um, but again, I think what informs my, the way in which I use the internet is the people around me, right? So I think I think I mentioned in the first voice note that I, I, I was kind of raised on the Tumblr. Um, so I was an internet baby back then. And I'm still kind of being raised even further now by the internet, even though I don't participate as much as I thought I would have been participating. But the internet is also a really amazing resource where... But again, as I said, it's like it's a resource that is amplified according to the network and people that you're surrounded by. So people put you on and they put you on without them even knowing, like you just pick it up. In terms of resources that I still use, I find helpful. Um, I'd say, yeah, apart from people, yeah, Vansa, a great um, website for um, African artists as a whole to um, find opportunities, jobs, employment, all those kinds of things. Um, I would say the internet just in general, um, it's such a vast place, but I think I, I, I'm just, uh, a, a continually a student of the art world, art industry. So I'm always watching things that are happening and I'm always picking things up on my own. I think the internet is just a great resource. I'm yeah, man, partying helps too, eh? Um, a lot of, like, when you party, you, you, you're kind of breaking away from this academic kind of jargon. So when you're partying, you're just encountering people that are just outside of your space, but also really interested in what you do. And they're also doing some really crazy, interesting stuff, just maybe that they never had the opportunity to go to um, tertiary to explore those ideas and those, um, or access those kinds of resources. So I think just being in a community outside of the actual um, school was really helpful. And that created a much bigger network that I, that helped with my transition into um, professional practice, I guess. And when I left art school, I tried desperately, even during art school, to find information on artists and practice in Africa outside of the South African centric syllabus that we were taught. Um, it was great that we learned about local artists, but the rest was all Western. And we didn't know, we were so detached from anything that might be happening in our bordering countries and throughout the continent. So for me, that was something huge that was missing. And that is part of where the drive to start creating content that. I wanted to find came from. Um, I didn't have an interest in becoming an artist and working and having that kind of attention. Um, and it felt also quite isolating. So I preferred to take a path where I could support artists whose work I loved 
by finding and assisting with skills that I knew we did, we weren't equipped with when we studied. As actually going out to uh, creative spaces and events um, for kind of inspiration, but also for networking purposes. So, you know, when your friend has, or, you know, someone that you enjoy the work of has an exhibition, go to that exhibition and wander around, even if you're writing solo, and then look at how things run, I guess. Um, you are very much trained in like kind of the process of making um, and the research aspects and writing and all those kinds of wonderful skills, but you also need to go and see how people kind of run the business, I guess, and seeing, you know, how people present work, um, what kind of information do, does the artist need to have readily available, um, and speaking to people um, in terms of maybe like a form of mentorship or literally just like reaching out to someone that you uh, find really interesting, be it in the materiality of their work, their concepts, as well as just like how they conduct themselves professionally. Um, advice that I would give to people who are about to finish art school, I would say is um, as a person, just be just be a kind person, be a generous person. Um, because in, in Africa, more than other places, we, in the art world and in industry just in general, capitalism, we deal with stomach politics. And what stomach politics makes people do is it creates a crabs in a bucket environment. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't mean that because this person is getting this opportunity or they won this award that, you know, your time isn't coming. So, you know, we have to share, we have to share resources, we have to share information, we have to share space, we have to share opportunity and everybody will eat, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, that's the first thing that I want to say is be kind to the next person, the next artist, the next curator, the next writer that you meet, you know, um, be thoughtful, be mindful, um, observe and listen, you know, don't isolate yourself. Um, Cause you never know, you never know what somebody will be able to do for you. You never know what somebody else will become in the future as well. Thanks to Lauren Van Gogh and to all our contributors for sharing their resources and their experiences. Um, it was great to hear about Sober and Lonely and as well as all the resources that Vanta has to offer. And the one takeaway from this episode that I've quite enjoyed is this idea of taking chances, leaning on your community and filling in the gaps that you find in the industry. So thanks to everybody for your contributions. It's been a great episode. Yeah, um, thank you everyone for the contributions. Thank you to all our friends who contributed to this episode. And I think the word of the day is kindness and community. So moving forward, yeah. as you endeavor in the art world, remember to be kind and to be generous.